Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. We're going to talk about how to read the Bible. Anybody bring their Bible this morning? Do we still bring Bibles to church, or is the phone? Is that it? Is that, is that what counts? Tori, it's great to see you. Welcome. You look great. Awesome. Good to have you here. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to have a look. This is going to be a series over the next couple of weeks. And um, I just really felt compelled to do some, some, I wouldn't call it basic necessarily, but what I've noticed, here's what I've noticed amongst pastors. Even pastors, a lot of them, this may shock you, don't read their Bible as much as you think they do. They don't pray as much as you think they do. I knew that because when I became a pastor, all of a sudden was like, oh wow, I better start reading my Bible now. I better start learning how to pray. And you know, or a lot of people, they'll, they'll read their Bible just to get the message for the week kind of thing, but don't necessarily have a relationship with it. Or they read it 20 years ago, they read it cover to cover, went through the Bible in a year, and I'm good now, right? I don't have to read it anymore. And that doesn't work. So if pastors sometimes challenge with this, then I know everybody else probably is kind of in the same boat. Now, what you kind of saw demonstrated here this morning, we weren't doing this purposefully as like an illustration for the message, but we are a prophetic people. We know that God can speak to us as individuals and we can hear his voice. We can actually have God, the creator of the universe, like God, right? Big old God, same God, the one God can still speak to us as individuals. How great is that? Like I that concept still baffles me every time that God wants to speak to me and that he does and I can actually hear him. And so that's what prophecy is. It's being able to hear and discern, as Emily shared, the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God. And so we are a very prolific, prophetic people. But that's not all we are. Because the tendency sometimes in a church like ours where we lean into the prophetic because I think you find a lot of churches, and this is not a criticism at all, but a lot of churches don't necessarily lean into that side of it. And so Christians grow up with a mentality, I want to hear what the preacher has to say because he hears from God and he tells me what God says, right? And that's been a problem in Christendom for about 2,000 years, by the way, is this idea that there's a man or a woman of God that speaks to the people on of God. That's actually what prophets do, but prophets are only part of our ability to hear from God for ourselves. And so the gift of prophecy that's available to any spirit-filled believer is very important, but it's only half of how God has spoken to us because God has also given us his word called the Bible. And we can get into danger and into error if we only endeavor to hear from God through the prophetic, but don't actually know and understand the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to mankind. So the need for us to be led by the Spirit does not negate the need for us to know and understand the Bible. But knowing and understanding the Bible does not negate the importance of also being able to step out on the prophetic and hear God for ourselves. It's both of those things. The Word, the Bible, when I say the Word, it's because the Bible is not, does not contain the words of God. 
It is the Word of God. And so I will sometimes call it the Word, sometimes call it the Bible, but that's what I'm talking about. The Word instructs, right? But the Spirit illuminates. The Bible itself says the Spirit guides us into all truth. In other words, what God has revealed in Scripture, the Holy Spirit in us, instructs. He's like your tutor as you're reading the Bible that will help you understand what it is that God is actually saying. And even preaching can't replace the Bible. That's where I think we can get lazy sometimes, and, and especially if you've got a place with great preaching, like when Romy preaches, great preaching. It's easy to go, I'm just going to absorb all that stuff. But really, great preaching should ignite a fire to get into the Word yourself. I think great preaching really should do kind of two things. Great preaching should ignite a fire in you to know Jesus more, but to get into the Bible more, and it should create worshipers. Because the purpose of preaching is to create worshipers. The The purpose of worship is not to set up preaching. The purpose of preaching is to create worshipers. And so while I love preaching, we'll always have more of a focus on worship than we do just people speaking the word to you. They're both important, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we can rely on preaching and podcasts and what other people have said about the Bible without actually getting in and reading it ourselves. Okay? Psalm 119, 105. I love this scripture. The word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I'm going to switch over, Mike. I'm just going to give you a couple of Bible verses about it. Take the helmet of salvation. This is the whole full armor of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wait a minute. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. The Spirit has a sword. Isn't that great? The Holy Spirit in us has a sword, and the sword is the Word. That means the Holy Spirit uses God's Word as a weapon. Do you see how they go hand in hand? It'd be one thing, I might be a warrior, but if I don't have a weapon, I'm in trouble. The Spirit has a sword, and the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Those two things always go hand in hand. It's not one or the other, it's both. They're equally important. 2 Timothy 2.16, this is Paul writing to Timothy the pastor, and he says, do your best, everybody say, do your best, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. If there is any challenge that I have in my Bible study, it's correctly handling the word of truth. We talked about how the Spirit has a sword. That sword is the word of God. Well, today, that would be a rifle or a handgun. Whatever it is, it would be a modern weapon equivalent of that. How many of you know that if you're going to carry a gun, you might want to know how to 
correctly handle the gun. Nothing more dangerous than putting a weapon in someone's hands who does not correctly know how to handle that weapon. It's not just owning the weapon, it's learning how to correctly handle it. Just because I have my Bible doesn't mean that I'm doing good. In fact, if you were to put a handgun in the hands of a six-year-old that doesn't know how to handle it, it becomes a danger to them and everyone else around them. If you put the Bible in the hands of someone who wants to go out and preach, but yet does not have a full understanding of the Bible yet, they are not going to be able to correctly handle the word of truth. Doesn't mean they have to get nine degrees before they can tell people about Jesus. Probably the best example of discipleship I know is just staying one chapter ahead of the person that you're discipling. That's it. That's all it takes. I read this, God showed it to me, and I'm going to take you through chapter two while I'm reading chapter three. That's a great method of discipleship. You don't have to wait to get a college degree before you can tell somebody about Jesus or make a disciple. Just don't try to teach more than what you know. Right? Correctly handling the word of truth. I found a great example of this in Acts chapter 8 of what I think actually happens to a lot of us when we endeavor to step out and start reading the Bible, which is a good thing to do. It's a guy named Philip in the book of Acts. And it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki. I'm just going to say it that way because I have no idea how to pronounce that word. I need to correctly handle the word of truth and learn how to pronounce Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So he's reading it, right? The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? That's a great question to ask. Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. And he goes on and reads the Scripture, and then Philip begins to explain the passage to him. And I thought about this Ethiopian eunuch. Here he is. He's just gone to Jerusalem to worship. He went to the conference. He went to church. He had the experience. He encountered God, and now he's like excited. I want to get into the Word. And he's on the way home, and he's reading this scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he's going, I'm reading it, but I ain't getting it. I'm trying, but I just, or I'm getting something, but I'm not sure it's the something that I'm supposed to be getting out of this. Has anybody been there when they've read the Bible? I remember I got so excited when I uh, graduated from college and I ended up playing basketball in Europe. And my first year, I played in a country uh, of Belgium. And as I'm in Belgium, I had a lot of free time because you like practice and then got nothing else to do. And there was this park across the road from my house. It had like a three-mile track around it. And I would get so excited because I was like, I'm going to read the Bible. In the nine months I'm here, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover. I've never done it. I'm pretty sure I've read all of the Bible, but not actually cover to cover. I'm so excited. And so I, I had this plan. I'm going to go across the street, and then there's park benches like every, I don't know, 50 yards. I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible, 
walk and pray to the next bench, and then read a chapter of the Bible, and within three miles, you know, eventually I'll get through the whole Bible. And I was like, this is great. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, yes. It's so much excitement when you start something new, isn't it? The first day in the gym, I know it's, well, January's gone. You guys have given up your gym memberships by now, haven't you? It's already February. You're so excited in the beginning. And, and I started, and I'm like, man, Genesis, this is great. Creation stories, like just amazing lineage. And, and you hear all these great stories of people like Joseph and Noah, and there's just this cosmic stuff that's going on. It's so awesome. Then you get to the book of Exodus, and you're like, whoa, seven plagues and like armies and miracles and partings of Red Sea. This is awesome. And you're like, what's next? Leviticus. Actually, Numbers is next, isn't it? See, I need to know my Bible. And Numbers is like more stories and wars. And then it's like, Leviticus, this is, blessed are those who read. Okay, I'm going to keep reading this. And, and, and I'm, I'm excited for the first couple of chapters. And I'm like, I'm trying, God, but, man, I'm not allowed to eat shrimp. Prawns if you're Australian. How can I? No shrimp? Oh, all right. Wait, no pork? No barbecue? Are you kidding me? And you start to read some of these laws, and you're going, man, this stuff sounds hard. Who would want to do this? And so you bog down. So anyway, my plan to read the Bible in nine months took me three years. But I'm glad that it did because I realized that it's not about finishing. It's about understanding. Because if I want to correctly handle the word of truth, like this Ethiopian, it's not just a matter of reading it, it's a matter of understanding it. And sometimes coming to an understanding of the Bible requires more of me than just reading it. And it's not that the Ethiopian was dumb. It's not that he couldn't understand. It's just that he didn't yet know how to read it in a way that made sense to him. He got lost. So here's my first thing I want to share with you. It's just a bit of an intro this morning. Bible reading goal number one. If you're writing it down, write this down, or if you want to take a snapshot with your phone and do that later, you can. I want to be the type of reader on whom nothing is lost. Now, like I'm, I'm in class now, right? Like I'm, Rummy and I are both getting our MDivs, and I have a lot of reading to do. And i got to tell you, it's tempting sometimes to just get it done. I'm like, I got it done. I don't remember anything I read. And then the test comes around, and you're like, oh, the goal wasn't to read. The goal was to remember and understand. And I realized I want to be the type of reader on whom nothing is lost. So however long it takes me to get it is how long I'm going to take to read it. There's been some times when I've gone, I'm just going to read this chapter in the Bible and it's taken me forever to get through one, especially when you get into some of Paul's stuff. And you're like, wait a minute. Why is it I do the thing I don't want to do and the thing I don't want to do I do? I'm like, what? And I just have to keep reading it over and over and over again. I want to make sure nothing's lost. Okay? So be the type of reader on whom nothing is lost. So you may have the goal to read the Bible in a year. But is that really the goal? Is the goal to finish or is the goal to understand? So that's the first principle I think it's going to help you. And by the way, you don't have to be an expert to understand the Bible. Man, I never graduated high school. I, 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 don't, I don't like to read. You don't have to be an expert, 
but you can become one. I remember when I first started out in ministry. By the way, I'm going to give a shout-out to my friends Buck and Ashley here from, from way back. I was actually thinking about this. You know, I knew 20 years ago that God had put on me um, a real heart and burden to, to pastor our Navy Special Warfare community. But I had no idea what I was doing. And Buck was a constant source of wisdom and insight for me into here's how you pastor these guys and their families. I was so grateful for that because I was not an expert. And I realized I may not be an expert at this, but I can become one. I walked into something somewhat intimidated but feeling this calling to pastor this community, and I'm grateful for people like Buck that came alongside that wasn't like, this is my job, get out of here, but he just went, let me help show you how to do this. I was so grateful for that, and I honor what you've been doing in that community for decades. And so when it came to reading the Bible, sometimes it, was this, it's, it can be the same way. It's like, I need to go to the experts. I don't understand. Well, people can help you. Like people that understand, if you don't understand something, I'm grateful I have people I can call and go, man, I've been reading this passage of Scripture, and I'm just not getting it. And they're like, well, maybe think about looking at it this way. Or maybe look how that's actually referring to something else that occurred here to give you a greater perspective on it. But I realize if I really endeavor towards this, I can become an expert. And it doesn't matter what my education level is. It doesn't matter what my previous experience is. If I just stay at it and work at it, it's amazing what you can become an expert at. Isn't that does that make sense? Be the expert. Become the expert. Do you know that most of the greatest revivalists that we've seen over the course of history have not been experts in the Bible? They've not been officially trained. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest people that in the last couple of centuries moving out in signs, miracles, and wonders, he's a plumber. Is that right? He was a plumber. But he knew the Word of God. He made himself an expert in something that he didn't naturally have. James 1.25, they don't have the scripture over here, but it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And it's this word intently that I got stuck on. Not intensively, but intently. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law. In other words, I have intention behind this. I'm going to look into God's Word. I'm going to study His Word. I'm going to be intentional about what it is that I'm actually doing. Psalm 119, verse 9. says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Ooh, that's a good question. How can a young person, or old person, by the way, let's not just discriminate here. I'm still not sure which one I belong to in that category. The gray beard indicates I think I know the answer to that one. How can a young person stay in the path of purity? By living according to popular opinion. By living according to what's trendy. By following conventional wisdom. No, by living according to your word. Do you see that? If there's anything that I desire, I want to live on a path of purity. I want you to live on a path of purity. I want my family to live in a path of purity. But it's not by consensus. It's by living according to your word. 
you understand that God's word will help you stay on the path of purity? I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is David preaching this, saying, I've hidden it. Like I know that if I hide your word in my heart, then I'll keep my path pure. You don't stay pure by doing what seems right. You ever, like you're facing a decision, you're like, I don't know, it doesn't seem right. Well, where does the seeming come from? Does, the, does what seem right, is that dictated to you by the world? Or does it not seem right because you've hidden His Word in your heart and it conflicts with the Word that's in you? There's a big difference between those two things. It's like putting Ikea furniture together. If you're a guy, I don't need those instructions, you know. It seems like it should be like this. And then all of a sudden you've got like seven bolts left over and you're like, it seems like it will hold up. Well, when you're putting Ikea furniture together, it may not be that big a deal. But what if I assembled an airplane that way? What if I just went, I don't know how to do this, but I, I think I can wing it, no pun intended. It seems right. You imagine all the people getting on the airplane. Is this built properly? It seems like it is. Sure, give it a shot. Well, how much more important is it for us to make sure that when we are endeavoring to stay on a path of purity, we don't do it just according to what seems right? We need a standard. We need something that's, like, we actually need something that's inflexible. Something that this is the way to do it, right? <laughs> I, probably the best example I've seen of this in the past couple of weeks is this whole push to get Joe Rogan canceled. I think it's hilarious. I listen to his podcast. Not that I'm a fan of Joe Rogan necessarily, but I like that the guy is curious. And so he gets people of all different opinions on there. And there were two people on there that had a differing opinion on COVID protocols. They happen to be experts in their field, by the way. But he got accused of spreading disinformation. And so there's this great call. I think Neil Young pulled his music from it. Is he still alive? Neil Young pulled his music from Spotify and some other people. And it's funny because, look, if you're going to do that, that's fine, right? And this is, this is not about canceling or not canceling, but here's what it is about. You could almost see the rest of Hollywood like, wait a minute. Am I going to get more attention by pulling my music from here? Or am I going to get more attention by supporting it? What is everybody else going to think about my response to this? And so you could see them weighing up their response according to how it will be perceived and whether I will actually sell music as a result of doing this and be liked by people. There's no personal conviction over this. It's just like, and they're just misinformation. I'm pulling mommy. And it's like, did you actually find out whether that was true or not? Or did you just go with what the next person did and excited? And it's just hilarious. The cancel culture that we have, that's just one example. It's not based on anything except the popular opinion and the trends of the day. And our world as a result has developed this flexible morality. There's no right or wrong. It's just what seems right or wrong. The same thing existed in Jesus' time. That's Greco-Roman culture in the New Testament world. It was very flexible morality based upon what would work for me. The same thing exists in our world today. But the Bible is our standard. The Bible is not swayed by trends. It doesn't change. It is inerrant, and it doesn't change. It gets criticized for not changing. 
a lot. And if the Bible could speak, it would go, I don't care, not changing, sorry. We need a standard. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, listen to this, even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, I want to focus on this part. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Let me tell you another thing the Word of God will do. Number one, it's the standard. We already said that. It provides a standard. But it divides soul and spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can look up the podcast, but a while ago I did teaching on how we're divided into three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Your body is your flesh. It's your actual being. Your soul is your mind. It's your, it's your will. It's the activation of your will. Your emotions are tied up in that as well. And your spirit is the eternal side of you that when you get saved, God's spirit comes in and like intertwines with your spirit. And you, it's your spirit that gets saved. And eventually, the spirit leads the mind and the flesh. That's the goal in mind is to put the spirit in control because it's what gets redeemed. So when the Bible says renew your mind, the mind doesn't renew itself. It's your redeemed spirit that renews the mind, and then the body will catch up. That's that teaching in a nutshell. So what does God's Word do? It divides soul and spirit. What does that mean? It means that you ever feel a certain way, and you're like, I think a certain way, I feel a certain way, but yet there's this thing in me that actually wants to do something else. Well, it's the Word of God that divides your mind from your spirit. The Word will help you see that's your mind doing this, and this is your spirit doing this. So you don't develop this sort of multiple personality disorder or schizophrenia. That's not the goal here. But it helps to discern between what is God's spirit in you that's speaking to you and what is just your own thinking. Have you ever had a time when your thinking's been challenged? Like you thought some way about something, and then you read the Word, and all of a sudden it's like, man, that, that thought doesn't actually line up with Scripture. It, you ever thought that? You ever had, like, maybe it was something that you were taught. This is how it often happens. It's something you were taught, and it gets so ingrained that you think it's in the Bible, and then you look it up, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. The Bible actually says something different. Things like women are supposed to be silent in church. The Bible actually says that, by the way. This will be a couple weeks down the road of how to interpret those kind of scriptures. But I didn't think women were supposed to, and they're certainly not supposed to teach men. So why are you getting men to stand up? and to get, Why is a woman getting a man to stand up and tell them to do stuff? And I, I don't know about all this stuff. Well, sometimes that's a teaching that's crept in. And that's your mind. And the Bible goes, this is my spirit, and this is your thinking. This is your emotions, and your emotions are real, but your emotions are not always God. Sometimes they're the product of trauma. Sometimes they're the product of defense mechanisms. Sometimes they're the product of all kinds of things. 
But yet God can also speak to us through our emotions. So sometimes those things are not the results of trauma. Sometimes those are the things are results of the Spirit of God using your emotions to communicate to you. How do I know the difference? The Word of God separates, divides soul from spirit. It'll help you know which is which. That's a valuable thing to have. I think we're probably done. So next week, that's just kind of an intro. Let me tell you what I want to talk about next week. The Bible is a library. It's not a book. That'll be next week. It's a library. If you take the Bible as one book, you'll miss that it's actually a library. And like a library, it's full of all different sections. It's got two volumes. That'll be next week. Lord, I pray as we dig into this series, that you'll ignite a fire within us. That you'll light us up on the inside, Lord, to dig into your word even more. I pray that you would help us to become the experts of the, the word of God. We don't have to be that before we start. And though you've put experts around us, we don't only have to have those. But as much as you've made us a prophetic, prolific people, I pray that you make us people of the word as well. Like the Bereans that would search the words of God to show you to be true. Not to use it to beat people up. Not to use it just to point out error in everybody else. But that we would be those who can show ourselves proved. Workmen who correctly handle the word of truth. I thank you that you've given us your word. I think you've given us your spirit. That when we read, when we do read, we actually have a tutor right alongside us, guiding us, directing us, and protecting us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this, or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 